the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is Stand Up For Jesus with your host, Craig Nedro, founder of Craig Nedro Ministries and Stand Up For Jesus. Our focus is to reach out to the lost and witness about the transforming power of Jesus Christ and calling on others to stand up for Christ and His Word, proclaiming that Jesus is the only way to get to heaven. And now, Standing Up For Jesus, here's Craig Nedro. Welcome to the program. This is Stand Up For Jesus, and my name is Craig Nedro. The last several weeks on the on the program, we have looked at several different passages in Scripture that describe the, the situation that we find the world in now. And, you know, I, I'm always amazed at it. And as someone who has been a student of the Bible for over 20 years, and, you know, I, I find it fascinating, and I always have, but even more so now, when you really study the Scriptures— the words from the Bible tend to just leap off the page sometimes at you. And as we witness the conditions in the world that are going on right now from natural, uh, the natural um, world the, to society to the um, morality and the, and the depravity that is engulfing our world to the violence, um, to the, all the different, just about every different aspect of the world scene that we're in right now, there are so many scriptures that talk about the conditions that the world will be in in the very last days before the return of Christ. And I want to talk about the return of Christ here in just a second to clear up any uh, any confusion that there may be there. But uh, my point being is that as we look at the world today through the lens of scripture, it is astounding to me how descriptive and how exact and accurate, the Bible describes the the conditions that the world will be in in the very last days before the return of Christ. Now, I've said this many times over the years, and I want to say it again now. No one, and I repeat, no one knows the day or the hour uh, of the return of Christ. Uh, I don't know the day. I don't know the hour, the week, the month, the year. However, Jesus said, when you see a storm cloud on the horizon, you know that rain's coming. And when you feel the hot wind blow, you know that summer's near. And he said, it, why is it that you can discern the face of the sky and the earth, but you don't discern the times? And so as believers in Christ, as students of the Bible, we are called to be able to look at the conditions in the world and understand that we are living in the last days, even though we don't know the day or the hour. And, you know, as we study the Scriptures, as we look at God's Word, and we see what's unfolding in our world today, it's obvious to many, many, many of us who are followers of Christ that we are truly in the very last days just before the return of Christ. I mean, and I don't mean to to be dramatic about it, but how much farther can we go down the road of depravity that we find ourselves on 
in this world? How much farther can we go down with world events taking place before uh, there has to be a major event uh, on world in, in the world timeline? And even non-believers uh, can. It's obvious to many many non-believers that something has to give, and that something cataclysmic is on the horizon, and that's and it is. And so, again, as we as believers. Uh, as we study the scriptures, it's fascinating. It can be um, a little, there can be anxiety tied to it. But I will tell you, and I've mentioned this before on the program, that if you're a believer in Christ, you do not have to fear what's happening in the world today because we know how it ends. And, you know, I'm a businessman. Uh, My wife and I own several companies. And while I study and I look at trends and I look at market conditions, economic market conditions, and make decisions based on that. I don't live my life based on the economy here in the United States or even based on the world economy. I make decisions in my life based on God's economy. Because, you know, Romans 8 and 31 says, If God be for me, who can be against me? Listen, if God's in charge of my businesses and God's in charge of the economy that surrounds my family and my life, and he's for me, it doesn't make a difference what's going on in the world. I truly, sincerely believe that God will protect me, that he can bless me no matter what's happening going on in the world, and and I'm a witness to this. He's done it over and over again, and he continues to do it. So as a Christian, as a follower of Christ, while I watch things that are going on, I'm fascinated by them. I study them uh, pretty exhaustively because— uh, I love to study the Word of God, also because I have a radio ministry and and I teach and I preach different ways and uh, different places and speak in different places. I've also just recently finished writing my second book and it's uh, it's about to come out. And so these are things that I that I care about and they're important to me. And they're things that we've been talking about the last several weeks on the program, and we're going to continue to talk about them because they're relevant. They make a difference. They help us understand the times that we're living in right now. And so it's from that mindset that I want to continue on the program today. So if you have your Bibles, I want you to open them up, and we are going to begin teaching in uh, the book of Luke. And in the book of Luke, uh, we're, we're going to be uh, talking about uh, a section of Scripture where Jesus was speaking. And again, these are this is in reference to the times, the the very last days before the return of Christ. Now, I mentioned earlier, when I say the return of Christ, let me let me just make a, and I'll do future teachings on this as well. But when we say the return of Christ, it's really um, it's it's a a two part event, because and, and you may hear this term sometimes, the second advent of Christ, and the second advent of Christ is Christ coming at the end of the tribulation. To, to establish and set up his millennial rule, his 1,000-year rule here on planet Earth. Um, that's the first time that he will actually come back and put his feet on the planet. Now, seven years before that event happens, there will be an event called the rapture of the church. And some people may say, well, the word rapture is not in the Bible. That's not true. It is in the Bible. It's just not in our English language. But in the original Greek language, it was the actual word harpazo, uh, which translated translate to the to a, a word uh, that go that is rapturo, 
And that's where we get the term rapture. And it's in uh, Thessalonians chapter 4 when it says, Paul says, and then those who are alive will be caught up together with those who are, are dead in Christ that have risen. Those two words caught up is where we get the word harpazo or rapturo or rapture. So seven years before the return of Christ, where he actually comes and establishes his kingdom and puts his feet on planet Earth, seven years prior to that is the removal of the church. And most of you have heard, uh, whether it's in in a detailed teaching or not, and, and again, Lord willing, I will do this again soon. But seven years before the, the event where Christ puts his feet on the planet, he comes in the air, the dead in Christ rise first, and then we who are alive and remain meet them in the air, in the clouds, and meet the Lord in the air. And then um, that's the first part of the second return of Christ. But he actually doesn't put his feet on the planet during the rapture. He comes in the air, we rise, our, we, we receive new bodies, and we meet the Lord in the air, and then and go back into heaven with him, and seven years later we return uh, with Christ to when he establishes his 1,000-year reign. So when you hear someone mention the return of Christ, it, it, it depends on if they're talking about, sometimes they can be talking about the rapture, and sometimes they can be talking about the second advent. And oftentimes when I teach on this, I try to distinguish between the two because there are definite signs just before, that the world conditions will be in just before the first part of that, the, the rapture of the church, and then there are other conditions that the world will be in before the second advent of Christ. And they are a lot of, there's a tremendous amount of differences between those two uh, events or those two parts of the same second coming of Christ. So what I've been talking about the last several weeks are conditions in the world just before the return of Christ in the first part, the rapture of the church. And I want to continue on on that same subject matter today. So when we look in Luke chapter 17, uh, in my Bible, these words are in red. And many of you in your Bibles, when Jesus speaks, the words are in red. And I love that. It's not in every translation, but I think it's important because it just helps us distinguish when Jesus is talking versus when uh, then there's other uh, other uh, dialogue going on. So uh, once again, if you have your Bibles, open them up to Luke chapter 17, and we're going to start out here in Luke chapter 17, and then we're going to go all the way back and look at some of the conditions in the book of Genesis because uh, Jesus is going to make a reference to, to the world conditions all the way back during the time in Genesis, and we want to see. Because when you read this section of Scripture in Luke, you'll hear certain things, and you go, oh, okay, and it gives a little bit of a description, but then it helps to be able to pause and stop and go, now, wait a minute. What were the conditions in the days of Noah? What were the conditions in the days of Lot? Let's go back and look at them and see what this what they say. And so we're going to do both of those on the program today. So, uh, here in Luke chapter 17, I'm going to begin reading uh, once again. Remember, this is Jesus speaking, and I'm going to begin reading in chapter 17 of Luke, verse 26. And here's what the New King James Version of the Bible says in verse 26. And as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be also in the days of the Son of Man. They ate, they drank. They married wives. They were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. 
likewise as it was also in the days of Lot. They ate, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they built. But on the day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Even so, it will be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. Now, there's a lot to unpack here, but let me just start out by saying, when Jesus says something, take it to the bank. Lay your head on the pillow and know that if Jesus said it, it's true. If Jesus said something was going to happen in the past, it has happened. If Jesus says something that hasn't happened yet, but that it's going to happen in the future, it will happen in the future. I love this analogy. I heard one time, and I think it was Roger Staubach that made this analogy. You know, Roger was a a sold-out believer for Christ, and he was talking about one time about um, uh, prophecy and things happening in the Bible. And he says, you know, uh, the Bible's never been wrong on anything. Things that the Bible says would take place in the past of all, 100% have happened. And so Roger said, if that's true, then doesn't it make sense that the things that the Bible says that will happen in the future would also happen in the future? And he said, I'll give it in a football analogy. Imagine Joe Montana, three-fourths of the way through the season, has sold has thrown 3,000 3, passes and completed every one of them, never had an incompletion. Don't you think that it's likely that the next couple of passes that Joe Montana throws, he's also probably going to complete? And and that's a simple version of what that was as a word picture. But think about it. If the Bible has prophesied over 3,000 things that it says would take place in the past that have all taken place, and then there's another several hundred that the Bible prophesies that will take place in the future, does it only make sense that those things in the future will also happen. And I can tell you as someone who has been a a serious student of this word for over 20 years, I can tell you the Bible's never been wrong and the Bible never will be wrong. The Bible says in Numbers 23 and 19, God is not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should repent. Has God not said and can he not do? You see, what God says he can do, he can and will do. And so when we look at Scripture like this, um, lay your head on the pillow and understand that if Jesus says this is going to happen, it is going to happen. I'm going to take my first break, come back, and then we're going to jump in and just dig deeper into these verses here in Luke chapter 17. My name is Craig Nedro, and this is Stand Up for Jesus. We return to Stand Up For Jesus with Craig Nedro on Christian Talk Radio, The Word, 100.7 FM. Welcome back. This is Stand Up For Jesus. I'm Craig Nedro, and I'm teaching from Luke chapter 17, words that Jesus spoke about the conditions in the world in the very last days just before his return. And Jesus says in verse uh, Luke chapter 17, verse 26, as it was in the days of Noah, so it will also be in the days of the Son of Man. And I mentioned before the break that when Jesus says something, you can lay your head on the pillow and know that it's going to happen. And notice here that Jesus says, as it was in the days of Noah, and then he says, so it will also be. In other words, what Jesus says it will be, it will be. And then he, he says, as it was in the days of Noah. And he says in verse 27, they ate and they drank, they married wives, And they were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark. 
And then he says uh, in verse 28, likewise, in other words, just as it was in the days of Noah, and, and he said it will also be. Then he goes to Lot, and he says, likewise, likewise, as it was also in the days of Lot. And he starts out the exact same way. They ate, they drank, but then he goes a different direction. Instead of saying uh, they, they married and were given in marriage, he goes down a different road, and he says uh, they bought, they sold, they planted, they built. In other words, if you stand back, I think this is interesting. One of these statements uh, talks about our personal lives and society and basically what's going on in people's personal lives, and they're going on about their daily lives day in and day out without much thought as to what was going on in the bigger picture. Now, the second part of that, when he talks about in verse 28, he says they bought, they sold, they planted, and they built. In other words, they're going on about their business as well. Uh, businesses, people are continuing to conduct their business. So their personal lives are are continuing as normal, and also their business lives are continuing as normal. Now, I want to point something out to you uh, that is also important for us to grasp here. This has to be talking about before the rapture of the church, because um, once the rapture of the church happens, we enter into a seven-year period known as the Tribulation. And the last half of that part of the tribulation is what the Bible refers to as the Great Tribulation. And Jesus said it's such a, it's such a difficult, um, disastrous time on earth. He says that unless those days were shortened, no flesh would survive. But approximately uh, two-thirds of mankind dies during the tribulation. Uh, two-thirds of the trees and the grass and are burned up. Th- this world that we live in now, it's li- it will literally become hell on earth during the tribulation. So that's not a time that's going to be just like uh, everything's continuing as normal, where people will be marrying and giving in marriage and buying and selling. No, it, it will not be that way at the end of the tribulation, just before the second advent of Christ. So it can't be that. It can't, this cannot be a reference to the, the conditions just before the second advent where Jesus comes back and actually establishes his kingdom because it, things will not be normal at that time. Things won't be like they were where everybody's just going about their business, okay? So this is a reference to conditions in the world just before the return of Jesus for the rapture of the church. And I think that's important for us to distinguish that, but a lot of people, when they read this section of Scripture, they really don't make that distinction, but I think it's important. And so it helps us to understand that Jesus is talking about the conditions in the world just before he comes to rapture the church. So let let me make a sidebar comment here. And listen, if you don't agree with everything I say, that's okay. Uh, I'm just telling you that uh, I spend a lot of time praying over what I study. I've studied this book for years, and and I I love prophecy, and I've, I've spent an exhaustive amount of time praying about um, things, uh, uh, praying over uh, the world events and prophecy and last days, because I find it fascinating, but I think it's also very relevant and very important. And I say that because when Jesus describes conditions just before the end of the uh, end of the age, before he raptures the church, I know some people will go, well, there's still a lot of things that have to happen before the rapture of the church. And where I was going with this comment just a minute ago, I disagree with that. I think everything that has ha- that has to happen for Jesus to come rapture the church has happened. In other words, 
It could happen before the program's over today. It could happen tomorrow, next week, next month, next year. I don't know the day or the hour, but I will tell you that I don't believe there's any other conditions that have to take place before the rapture of the church. And I believe that, um, and I made this comment on the program last week, sometimes you'll hear people go, well, do you really, I mean, do you really think there's a lot of signs that we're living in the last days? And I will tell you this. God's got signs. It's like he's got billboards up across the whole planet. It's not whether or not there are signs that God's giving. It's are we reading the signs? Are we looking for the signs? Are we listening for the signs? Because you know what? Uh, And if you're a student of the Word and and you spend a lot of time studying prophecy, most of you are going to agree with me on this comment. The signs are everywhere. And And they're increasing in... Frequency, intensity, and this is an exciting time to be alive on planet Earth because we literally are living in these last days. Again, while no one knows the day or the hour, once again, Jesus said, when you see, this, when you see a storm cloud on the horizon, don't you know it's going to rain? And when you feel the hot wind blow, don't you know that it's summertime? And he even said when, when the fig tree uh, when the when the leaves bud, you know summer's near, folks. When we see the signs that are out there around the world in so many different areas, golly, it's just it's so evident that we're living in these last days, and it's an exciting time to be alive if we can look at things through the scriptures. Uh, and and, I, and I'll teach on this too, and I may talk about this at the end of the program today in Colossians, where it says. Uh, if you were raised with Christ, then set your mind on things above, not on things of the earth. And that's a challenge, and we have to continually be prayerful about it. But if you're thinking about things from above and not not just focusing on, strictly on things above, but down here on earth, it's it, it changes your perspective. It changes your viewpoint, and there's a peace that can come over you. So let's go back to this scripture here in Luke chapter 21 when Jesus says, As it was in the days of Noah, so it will also be in the days of the Son of Man. They ate, they drank, they married wives, they were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. So I want to stop right here and I want to flip back into Genesis and let's go see and let's go back and see what it was like in the days of Noah. What does the Bible say about what it was like in the days of Noah? So if once again, if you've got your Bibles open. Go all the way back into Genesis, first book in the Bible. Let's go to chapter 6 of Genesis. And in chapter 6 of Genesis, I'm going to start reading verse 5. I'm in Genesis chapter 6, verse 5. And here's what the Bible says. Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intent of the thought of his heart was only evil continually. And the Lord was sorry that he had made man on the earth, and he was grieved in his heart. So the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast, creeping things and birds of the air, for I am sorry that I have made them. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. This is the genealogy of Noah. Noah was a just man, perfect in his generations. Noah walked with God. And Noah begot three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Now listen to this. This is important. 
These, this is this when Jesus says, "As it was in the days of Noah, so it will be in the days when the Son of Man is revealed." He, listen to what it says in these next couple of verses, because this is the world condition during the days of Noah. The earth, I'm in chapter 6 of Genesis, verse 11 says, The earth also was corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with violence. Now let me just stop and just make an obvious observation. Does that describe our world right now? You might say, Craig, the the world's always been corrupt, and it's always been full of violence. Um, You know, there is a certain level of truth to that. However, if you spend some time and really look at the world conditions right now, um, I, I, you know, and, and I'm, I'm just, I'm kind of dating myself here. I'm 66 years old and I will tell you folks, um, I have never seen the level of corruption in every area of society as we're witnessing now. Uh, when I was growing up and this sounds like almost a ridiculous statement now, but when I was growing up, Politicians were considered to be the cream of the crop, the best of society. You could put your trust in politicians because you knew that they had the the um, the best interest of their voters and the people at heart, and that they were going to speak the truth and to the best of their ability, they were going to govern to the best uh, for the best interests of the people. That almost sounds like a comical statement today, doesn't it? Our our, poli- our, our political world is so corrupt. Our business world is corrupt. Uh, governments are corrupt. From you look at um, school governments, you look at city governments, uh, state governments, the national government, folks. The corruption in our government at every different level is astounding, and it's true also in business. And, and so, when you start looking around, tell me what area of the world of of uh, society is not has not been corrupted right now. Um, there's corruption in the church. Uh, there's and, and corruption and deception are kind of cousins to each other, and the corruption and the deception and the level of those both is astounding. And so Jesus says, as it was in the days of Noah, okay. And here it says in Noah, speaking of the days of Noah, uh, in in Genesis chapter six, verse eleven, it says the earth also was corrupt before God. And the earth was filled with violence. Think about the level of violence and the rise of violence that we have witnessed in the last two, three, four years. Now, it's easy to focus on America because we live here. And think about just in America, the level of violence that has risen in the last two, three, four years Um, in our cities, um, not just in our cities, but even, even outside of our cities, but in our schools. When I grew up, the the violence we didn't have much violence, in any, if any, in our schools when I was growing up. And look at the violence that's in our schools now. Um, our inner cities. There's always been a certain level of violence in our inner cities, but not like it is now. And the number of cities that are experiencing a tremendous uptick in violence. Look at around the world, the violence and the level of violence and the um, and not just the level of violence, but also the brutality of the violence that we're witnessing around the world now with recent events that have just been taking place and are still going on right now where um, babies are being mutilated 
Okay, innocent people are being beheaded. Uh, the level of violence and the brutality now is at a level that I have never seen in my lifetime. And th- so I find it fascinating that Jesus says, as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be in the days just before his return, before he is revealed again. And so uh, here in Genesis chapter 6, it says that in verse 11. And then in verse 12, it says, So God looked upon the earth, and indeed it was corrupt. For all flesh had corrupted their way on the earth. And I will challenge you that that describes our, our world and our society today. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to take my next break. I'm going to come back. And then we're going to look and see what was the condition of the world in the days of Lot. Because Jesus says, as it was in the days of Noah, so it will also be in the days of the Son of Man. And he says that in Luke chapter 17, verse 26. And he says they ate, they drank, they married, they were given wives, and they were given in marriage until the, do- the day that Noah entered the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. And then he says, likewise, it was also in the days of Lot. So I'm going to take my break, come back, and then we're going to go back also into Genesis, uh, and we're going to look at what, was the, what were the conditions in the days of Lot and see if that also resembles the time and the days that we're living in right now. My name is Craig Nedro, and this is Stand Up For Jesus. More of Craig Nedro and Stand Up For Jesus on Christian Talk Radio, The Word. 100.7 FM. Welcome back. This is Stand Up for Jesus. I'm Craig Nedro, and I'm looking at started out today's program in Luke chapter 17, where Jesus is speaking about the conditions of the world in the last days, just before he his return for the rapture of the church, and how people will be people will not be expecting him to return. He says in Luke chapter 17, verse 26, as it was in the days of Noah, so it will also be in the days of the Son of Man. They ate, they drank, they married wives, they were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. So you notice people were getting married, going on about their social lives, celebrating the holidays, doing whatever they do. They were going about their lives. And so when Noah entered the ark, People were completely taken by surprise. Listen, Noah, the Bible says also in another place in the New Testament, Noah was a preacher of righteousness, and 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 he preached righteousness. And don't you think people thought Noah was crazy? Because it took him about 100 years to build this ark, and it had never rained on the planet before. So can, can you imagine Noah building this ark, telling people, listen, there's going to be a tremendous flood. It's going to start raining, and it's going to flood. And people are going, what do you mean? What is What are you talking about? And about 40, 50 years into it, don't you know his kids and grandkids were going, hey, Mom, hey, Grandma, please, would you talk to Grandpa? I, I'm, my kids, my friends at school think I'm crazy. Everybody thinks Grandpa's crazy. The whole world thought Noah was crazy until it started raining. <laughs> and Jesus said that's the conditions it's going to be like just before his return. People are going to be going about their lives, and they're going to be totally caught off, off guard when Jesus is revealed again. So then he says also in Luke chapter 17, he says in verse 28, Likewise, as it was also in the days of Lot, they ate, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they built. But on the day that the Lord went out of, uh, that the day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. So let's stop right here and go back. We did, before the break, we took a look and saw the conditions of corruption and violence in the earth during the days of Noah. Now let's go back, and let's just see what the Bible has to say about the days of Lot. So go back over again to the book of Genesis, 
And I want you to flip back to chapter 19 in Genesis. And as we go back to chapter 19 in Genesis, this is the story about Sodom and Gomorrah. And as I read this, it's probably going to offend some people. And, you know, I've said this before. I'll say it again. Um, This is kind of an off-the-wall comment or a sidebar comment. If you go to a, a, a church where the pastor preaches the Word of God and you never get offended, you may want to look at or value, uh, evaluate maybe changing churches because sometimes the Word of God is meant to offend us because the Word of God is meant to show us our faults and to correct us, and uh, it, that's called um, reproof, okay? And so um, sometimes the, the Word can be offensive to us personally, or sometimes the word can offend society. And the reason I say that it can offend society is because uh, we've lost our way in many ways in our society. But see, God's word is always true. And what God says is right is always right. And what God says is wrong is always wrong, despite what we say as a society. So let's look at chapter 19 of Genesis and look and see what the conditions were during the days of Lot. So chapter 19, I'm going to start reading in verse 1, and it says, Now the two angels came to Sodom in the evening, and Lot was sitting at the gate of Sodom. And when Lot saw them, he rose to meet them, and he bowed himself with his face towards the ground. So Lot recognized that these were angels. And he said, Here now, my lords, please turn into your servant's house and spend the night and wash your feet. Then you may rise early and go on your way. And they said, No, but we will spend the night in the open square. But he insisted strongly. So they turned into him and entered his house. Then he made them a feast and baked them unleavened bread, and they ate. So the two angels came home with Lot. Lot was sitting at the gate of the city. They came in, he recognized them, said, hey, why don't y'all come to my house? Spend the night at my house, okay? I don't know if Lot knew exactly what their purpose was in coming. The Bible doesn't tell us that right then. But he persuaded them to come to his house and they came into his house, and he gave them a food, gave them, made them a nice meal, and and they were going to spend the night. And it says in verse four, now before they lay down, in other words, before they went to sleep, the men of the city, the men of Sodom, both old and young, all the people from every quarter surrounded his house, and they called out to Lot and said to him, "Where are the men who came to you tonight?" Bring them out to us that we may know them carnally. Now, let's stop right there. And this is where, you know, there's some people can say, well, you know, that word carnally, that I mean that that just meant they that just meant they wanted to 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 get to know them better, to hang out with them a little bit. I, I strongly disagree with that, and I think the following couple of verses tell us why. But normally when the word carnally is used in this instance, in this type of situation in the Bible, it has something to do with sexual immorality. And so here it says, in uh, again, I'm in Je- Genesis chapter 19, and in verse 5, uh, the men of the city came to Lot's house, the angels were staying with Lot, and they said to him, they called to Lot and said to him, where are the men who came to you tonight? Bring them out to us that we may know them carnally. So Lot went out to them through the doorway, shut the door behind him and said, please, my brethren, do not do so wickedly. Now, if they just wanted to get to know these angels, why would Lot say to them, please do not do so wickedly? 
In other words, Lot knew what their intentions were. It wasn't to say, hey, where are you from? Tell us about your family. It was, that, that was not what this meant. The men of the city came, and the people came to have, uh, and it said to, to, know, to know them carnally. And Lot says, please do, please do not do so wickedly. And it says now in verse 8, he says, See now, I have two daughters who have not known a man. Please let, them bring, let me bring them out to you, and you may do to them as you wish. Now, that's a pretty astounding comment. In other words, Lot felt so, he was so scared about them trying to have uh, relations with the, the angels. Lot was ready to sacrifice his daughters if he had to, which is pretty mind-boggling when you stop and think about it. But that also, if you're in Lot's position, this is how serious of a situation this is. And he says, and you may do to them as you wish, only do nothing to these men, since this is the reason they have come under the shadow of my roof. In other words, Lot knew at that point that those angels came to judge the city for its sexual immorality. And, and, and Lot said, please, do not do this. Stop what you're going to do. I'll offer up my daughters. And it says in verse 9, and they said, stand back. Then they said, this one came to came in to came in to stay here, and he keeps acting as a judge. In other words, they're talking about Lot. He says, "Now we will deal worse with you than with them." So they pressed hard against the man Lot and came near to break down the door. But the men reached out of their out their hands and pulled Lot into the house with them and shut the door. So the angels reached out through the door, grabbed Lot, pulled him inside, and shut the door. Now. I'm going to finish this story on the other side of the break. I'm going to take a short break, come right back, uh, and we'll finish looking at what, what happens in the city of Sodom and Gomorrah. My name is Craig Nedro, and this is Stand Up for Jesus. Back to Stand Up for Jesus with Craig Nedro on Christian Talk Radio, The Word, 100.7 FM. Welcome back. This is Stand Up for Jesus. I'm Craig Nedro. I've been teaching from Luke chapter 17 when Jesus talked about the conditions in the very last days before his return. And he said, so as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be in the days when the Son of Man is revealed. And we looked at what the conditions were in uh, in the days of Noah. The Bible says that the whole, whole world was corrupt and filled with violence. And I challenge you that that describes our current conditions in the world. And then Jesus said, also as it was in the days of Lot. And so we went back and we're in Genesis chapter 19 and looking and examining what the condition was in the days of Lot. And it talks about the fact that uh, Sodom and Gomorrah were going to be destroyed. Two angels came into town. Lot brought them to his house. The men of the city surrounded them, said, bring, them, bring the angels out that we may know them carnally, wanted to have sexual relationships with them. A Lot stepped out and said, please do not do so wickedly. The angels pulled Lot back in the house. And then it's in verse um, 11 of Genesis chapter 19, it says, and they, and they, talking about the angels, struck the men who were at the doorway of the house with blindness, both small and great, so that they became weary trying to find the door. Then the men said to Lot, have you, the men, meaning the angels, said to Lot, have you anyone else here, son-in-law, your sons, your daughters, and whomever you have in, this, in the city, take them out of this place. For we will destroy this place because the outcry against them has grown great before the face of the Lord, and the Lord has sent us to destroy it. So because of time left in the program, I'm just going to tell you that is the condition during the days of Lot. 
The angels came to the city of Sodom to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. And then it says in verse 24, Then the Lord rained brimstone and fire on Sodom and Gomorrah from the Lord out of the heavens. So he overthrew those cities, all the plain, all the inhabitants of the cities, and what grew on the ground. So God destroyed uh, the cities of uh, Sodom and Gomorrah with fire and brimstone because of the sexual immorality during that time. So when Jesus says in Luke chapter 17 there, and he says, as it was in the days of Noah, so it will also be in the days of the Son of Man. He says in Luke chapter 17, verse 27, they ate, they drank, they married their wives, they were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark, and the flood came and destroyed them all. Then he continues, and he says, likewise, as it was also in the days of Lot, which we just described in Genesis chapter 19, they ate. They drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they built. But on the day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. And then it says in verse 30, Jesus says, even so it will be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. Folks, listen, if we look back at the conditions of the world during the days of Noah with uh, corruption and violence, during the days of Lot with the sexual immorality that is now rampant in our world, actually celebrated in the world, how can we not look at those things and say, hmm, this certainly describes the conditions that Jesus describes here in Luke chapter 17. Now let me point out something. I know this is difficult scripture for some people to understand and to grasp and to really say, no, I get it. But folks, as I said at the start of the program, if Jesus said it, it settles it. And when Jesus said, these are the conditions that the world will be in just before his second return, I believe that. I've been talking for several weeks about different conditions in the world, what it would be like just before the return of Christ for the rapture of the church. I challenge you, those conditions is what we're living in right now. Uh, I will continue to talk about this, Lord willing, in the weeks to come. But I want you to know, folks, if you're a follower of Christ, you have nothing to fear Jesus is coming soon, and if you're not a follower of Christ, I beg you, please surrender your life to Jesus as Lord and Savior before it's too late. My name is Craig Nedro, and this is Stand Up For Jesus. You've been listening to Stand Up For Jesus with Craig Nedro founder of Craig Nedrow Ministries and Stand Up For Jesus. If you would like more information about Craig Nedrow Ministries and Stand Up For Jesus, visit our website at craignedrowministries.org or give us a call at area code 469-688-7615. Be sure to listen next week at this same time as we Stand Up For Jesus on Christian Talk Radio, The Word, 100.7 FM. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.